Hello, and welcome to a very special PodCastle episode. I'm Dave Thompson, and I know, you want to know what the heck I'm doing talking to you all on a night other than Tuesday, right? Well, let me answer that question by telling you all a little story. Back in 2007, I had the pleasure of driving down to San Diego for the Conjecture Con and listened to Greg Van Eekout, Heather Shaw, and newly Hugo Award-winning author Tim Pratt do a reading. Here's what I originally posted about it on my blog back in 2007. Tim, Heather, and Greg put on a killer collaborative ABC reading where they divvied up the alphabet in written pieces of flash, science fiction, and fantasy to go with each story letter. There were fairy shitting shimmering coffee beans and an apocalyptic time-traveling road trip in Effingham. It was one of the most entertaining and amusing readings I've seen in a while, although Greg's bits were often kind of depressing, except for the one about the sandwiches. After seeing that reading, I knew, just knew, that this collaborative collection was going to be a huge success. It was funny, it was mean, it was sweet, and it was always awesome. But I kept waiting and waiting, and nothing happened. Then last year, I realized, hey, I'm editing a podcast now. This book is still out there somewhere, and I know thousands of people who will want to check this sucker out. So I talked to Ben Phillips, and I talked to Greg, Heather, and Tim, and also Jen Reese, who came aboard to help them finish up the missing letters, and voila, the sucker is done, and we at Escape Artists are proud to bring a little taste of it to you. The Alphabet Quartet, over 26 stories, by Tim Pratt, Jen Reese, Heather Shaw, and Greg Van Eekout. That's right, I said over 26. This is speculative fiction, after all. The collection of stories has never before been released in audio, and we at Escape Artists, that's right, Escape Artists, not just Podcastle, are bringing it to you July 1st. Today we're going to give you a taste of four stories featured in this exclusive audio collection. Here's D is for De Gustibus, read by the one and only Norm Sherman. D is for De Gustibus. I'd never seen the little herb shop in the strip mall before, though the truth was I smelled it more than I saw it, and I stepped inside because when you live in the blandest reaches of outer suburbia, spices more exotic than cinnamon or sage are hard to come by. The shop was small and overstuffed, with weirdly geometric carpets hanging on the walls and shelves filled with unlabeled glass jars and varying degrees of opacity. The proprietor was about four feet tall, dressed in what appeared to be more patterned carpets, and he, she, walked with a weird foot-dragging gait. The voice that emerged from the hood was pure mid-Atlantic telemarketer, though. May I help you? Um, what kind of stuff do you have here? I asked. We have many interesting things. Melange, Kingsfoil, Azoth, Devilweed, Selenine, Rue. Wow, that's some selection. I'd never heard of any of those. Um, I, I was just looking for something to make a curry. I saw a clear vial of yellow spice and said, Hey, is that turmeric? The proprietor hummed. I do not know that word, but local names vary. It has many wonderful properties. I was reading about that in a magazine, I said. Turmeric is good for digestive problems, right? And they think it might help fight Alzheimer's, arthritis, and cancer too, yeah? The shopkeeper sort of twitched. I think perhaps... Well, all I care is if it tastes good. 
I picked up the vial. How much for this? I pulled out my wallet, and the little coin pouch wasn't zipped right, so nickels and dimes and quarters scattered on the floor. The shopkeeper knelt and looked at the coins. Tiny round portraits, he said. I will take these. It was only about a buck forty-five and change, so I didn't argue. I took the spice home, looked up some recipes online, and made myself a yellow curry, though I had to substitute soy sauce for fish sauce and lemon peel for lemon grass. From the first bite, I knew something was wrong. The curry didn't taste like food at all. It tasted like hot ashes and interstellar voids and the true meaning of insignificance. I went back to the shop for a refund, but the doors were closed. I suddenly understood that all matter was only molecules separated by vast emptiness, though. So it was easy to make the nothingness in me line up with the nothingness in the door so I could pass right through to the inside. The shopkeeper was nowhere to be seen, but his rugs made sense to me now. The patterns were sort of like road maps, and also sort of like doors. From here, there was almost nowhere I couldn't go. I picked a destination at random. I couldn't wait to find out what the food tasted like in all the ten million worlds of the night. Yummy. So I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that there's more than 26 stories in this collection. See, our trusty quartet are working writers, people, and to make ends meet, or to build up some ego karma, they sold or published some of these stories in other venues over the last few years. But in addition to selling the audio rights of the collection to us, they sold the print rights to Daily Science Fiction, who asked them for 26 original stories. So they had to do some rewriting of their alphabet. The plus side for you is, you can read all of those original stories over at DailySciencefiction.com. But some of those stories I heard back in 2007 had stuck with me up until today. They were the reason I wanted to buy this collection and bring it to all of you. So, I asked if we could have those stories too. And they said yes. Now our geeky alphabet consists of 34 letters. You see, you could pronounce certain letters different ways. F can either be for forever, or F can be for flotsam. Flotsam. They roll in with the waves at the end of the spring storms. Coughing, spluttering, tangled in seaweed, they trudge across the beach toward the boardwalk, where they take up residence in stalls and stands that have stood abandoned since summer. The midway games are dangerous, and the prize is strange. Not just the usual Dago plush toys, but also mummified web claws and dried seahorses with two human faces. The screams from the Tunnel of Love sound final. Attorneys loiter near the bumper cars. In summer, the boardwalk smells of salt and deepest ocean mud. The fireworks on 4th of July linger in the dark sky like the bioluminescent jellyfish before sinking with stingers extended. Nobody says, ooh, or ah. Bite into a hot dog and you're likely to taste Leviathan, or Kraken, or Triton, or Sea Bishop. Less fatty, the vendor will growl if you complain. The novelty t-shirts may display funny slogans, but not in any language you know. The palm reader's predictions are a litany of future atrocity and disaster, and she won't stop keeping a firm grip on your wrist even if you weep and beg. 
After Labor Day, the summer sun tires and the air begins to chill. Without a word, the boardwalk workers turn away from the t-shirt shops and midway games. They abandon the Ferris wheel with riders still suspended upside down above the beach. Your half-completed tattoo will have to wait till next summer. The flotsam don't look happy as they cross the sand. The beach is broad and it's been a long summer. Still, like fish called to spawn, they must wade into the surf, pushing against the waves, thrashing as water fills their lungs, and they drown once again. Nothing like a little bite of Kraken to get your day started off right. So, we've got a lot of cool readers here at Podcastle and across the Escape Artist casts, and I'm not just saying that because I read the previous story. You've heard from Norm, Norm, well, Norm gets a little sexy. So does Merle Lafferty. We also asked M.K. Hobson to do some, who's a total badass, and Anne Leckie, who, after hearing her superhero literature mashup, might even be more of a badass. Graham Dunlop, Wilson Foley, who also donated his time to produce this bad boy, Alistair Stewart. Holy God, Alistair Stewart's going to make grown men weep. His reading is so good. But next up, we've got Rish Outfield, who people keep emailing me about how awesome his reading of The Christmas Mummy was last year, with L is for Luminous. L is for Luminous. The main problem was she got more and more luminous. My wife and I were one of the great husband and wife burglar teams. She circumvented locks and alarms, using social engineering to find codes for the simpler security systems and composing devastating verbal logic bombs to make the newer AI systems go into a recursive loop of insanity and shut down. And me? I could tell a fake diamond from a real one at a glance calculate the current value of a bar of gold just by hefting it in my hands, and sweep through a luxury townhouse as fast and efficiently as a swarm of locusts tearing through a field. Everything was going great. We were stealing mostly because it kept the marriage lively, not because we needed more money, until one night we were interrupted during our invasion of a vacation home whose occupants were passed out drunk in the hot tub. Just as we were opening the back door, an angel appeared, in the usual coruscating whirlwind of light, with that celestial hum that makes your tongue go numb. We think it was Pammon, who was angel of the sixth hour of the night before he went wild. My wife and I did all the things you're supposed to do to scare wild angels away. Blasphemies, imitation glossolalia, barking like a three-headed dog, spitting. But none of those are really much good. And Pammon bit my wife on the arm with one of the 10,000 mouths on one of his 10,000 faces before scurrying off into the night sky. I hurried my wife home, keeping an eye on her arm because the effects of angel bites are so unpredictable. There was a chance the limb might turn to salt or drop off and pursue its own destiny. Or the wound might become an opening to the pit, providing a point of escape for very small demons. The infection might spread, driving my wife mad or giving her the terrible clarity of the totally sane. Or the angel sickness might send her on a weirdly specific crusade to kiss every fish in the sea or provide a full catalog of the clouds or eat every kind of sausage in the British Isles before healing. But I watched her through the night, and none of those things happened. Instead, she just became more luminous, radiant, effulgent. Her skin emitted a glow that was at first rosy, 
then bright, then incandescent, and then, eventually, became the kind of light you have to wear smoked glasses to look upon even sideways. She didn't feel any different, and she could see just fine from within her radiance. And she didn't scorch the couch, though she did frighten the cats. But it was pretty clear her career as a burglar was done. It's hard to be inconspicuous when you're putting out a 100,000 lumens. We had a rocky couple of weeks. The doctors didn't have any advice. The effects of angel bites are incurable. And our relationship suffered. I went out and robbed a few places alone. But it just depressed me and made my wife jealous. So I stopped. Our whole dynamic was off. It got so she couldn't even look at me anymore. And, of course, I couldn't really look at her. Not the way I used to. And then, one night, my wife shook me on the shoulder, and I lifted the outer visor of my light, tight sleep helmet and looked at her through the smoky inner visor. Yeah, hun, I said. I had an idea, she said, and I could almost tell she was smiling. She always had the brightest smile. The next night, I crashed a posh party in my best tuxedo and started scoping out the place. Lots of nice, portable art objects scattered around. I mingled for a while until the French doors leading to the terraced back gardens flew open and a pillar of blinding light swept in, accompanied by that tooth-grinding angelic hum. The invading angel lurched around, knocking over caterers and punch bowls, and the guests practically stampeded over themselves in their haste to get away. Meanwhile, I filled a pillowcase with Fabergé eggs and similar lovelies and slipped out an unattended side entrance. I met up with my wife at home. She wasn't inconspicuous, but nobody comes close to a wild angel, so she made it back from the party just fine. I put on my visor and helped take off the speakers we'd attached to her back to blast out the MP3s of recorded angel noise we'd downloaded from the internet. With my visor down, I could see enough of her face to tell how anxious she was. "'Well,' she said, "'how was it? Is this going to work?' she swallowed. "'Are we going to be okay?' "'Our marriage,' I said, kissing her glowing lips." is a marriage made in heaven. Well, that certainly illuminated what's missing in my marriage. Co-ed robbery. Our last story today was one of those that stuck with me ever since I first heard it in 2007. In is for Nevermore, Nevermore Land. Read by Mer Lafferty. Nevermore, Nevermore Land. The young woman sitting on Ember's windowsill was dressed in a black, tinkerbellish leotard. Long, black and purple feathers jutted from her blue-black hair, which was arranged in a carefully messy bun on her head. The tulle in her ragged black tutu was torn and dragging in places. She gave the impression of wearing fishnet, but not on her legs, which were almost porcelain in their whiteness. A huge black raven, bigger than Ember's shih tzu, perched on her shoulder. Ember regarded her with suspicion. The sun had finally set after a rare hot day in San Francisco, and she'd made an executive decision to leave her window open while she slept, despite the potential for her parents to freak if they found out. Now there was this chick ruining her theory that no one would climb up to the third floor just to fuck with her. "'I guess you're going to take my laptop?' "'What?' "'Oh, no! Oh, no, Ember! I'm here to take you to Nevermore Nevermore Land, where you will stay eternally young.' Uh "'Uh-huh.' So you're a crazy person. Great. If you're not going to steal anything or threaten to hurt me, would you mind climbing back down and letting me get some sleep? Nevermore, the raven said. A crazy person with a confused literary identity, 
Ember thought. I don't climb, I fly, the girl said, and demonstrated with a quick flight around Ember's bedroom ceiling, the raven flapping right behind her. A black feather fell on the covers near Ember's hands. The girl settled back into the windowsill in a calculated, cool pose. If you hold the feather in one hand and my hand in the other, you, too, can fly away with me to Nevermore, Nevermore land, where Raven and I live in a cave below a crypt with other lost goth children whose parents don't understand them. And I'll never grow old. Yes! Look, fairy goth mother or whatever you are, I'm not a goth. I just wear lots of black. It's slimming. And my parents are pretty cool, actually. And honestly, I'm looking forward to growing up and getting to do my own thing in this world. I get a sweet trust fund in five years. And finally, why in the hell would I want to live in a dank crypt in some strange world when I have a pretty nice bedroom with a view of the Golden Gate Bridge? Do you have any idea what my parents paid for this view? The young woman stood on the windowsill. The raven perched on her shoulder. She looked confused. So, you're not interested? Not really, no. And with that, the woman flew away. Ember sighed, then got out of bed and closed and locked the window. She hated it when her parents were right about things like this. So there you have it. Four stories from the Alphabet Quartet. I hope you enjoyed them. But Dave, you say, that's only four. How do I get the other... Uh, 28 letters of this fantastic alphabet? On July 1st. I'm glad you asked. Over the last few months, you might remember me hinting that if you can spare five bucks a month to sign up for a paid subscription, we'd have something pretty awesome for you. This, amigos, is that awesome. If you can sign up for a $5 a month paid subscription to any of our podcasts, Escape Pod, Pseudopod, Us Turkey Sierra Podcast, well, it doesn't matter, or have been thinking about dropping a one-time donation of $50 or more in our tip jar, again, to any of our podcasts, we're going to send you all of these stories. If you're already a paid subscriber or have donated $50 or more since January 1st of this year, you get this. We're sending it to you, or at least the hookup to a dedicated feed. This is our way of saying thanks, because seriously, we can't do this without you. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all you've done for us, for supporting our authors, for keeping us flying so each month we can bring you science fiction, fantasy, and horror stories every week. The Alphabet Quartet is by a group of authors we, and by we, I mean you and me, the listeners, really, really love and believe in. Brought to you by a company of volunteers you trust. Make no mistake, this is definitely a fundraiser for us at Escape Artists, but to be fair, Murr, Al, and I are always asking you for money. This is our way of saying thanks to all of you who have helped us out along the way. We wanted to give something back. The stories we bring you from all our different casts each week cost money. We've been turned down by narrators before because we don't have the money in our budget to pay them. And if you're not signed up as a paid subscriber or have been meaning to make that one-time donation, please consider doing it now. That said, we know times are tough right now, and if you can't afford to donate, hey, Stay tuned to all your Escape Artist feeds and also the Travelcast. We've got more free stories on the way. Each one will have at least one new story playing, so you'll want to make sure you check out all of them. We appreciate all of you who take the time to listen and let us break bread and story with you. And hey, sign up for free at Daily Science Fiction, where they email you a free science fiction fantasy story every day. And you can read the 26 original stories for absolutely nothing on their website. 
Tell Jonathan and Michelle I sent you. Thanks so much for your support. I cannot wait to get the rest of these stories to you and talk with you about them. So get your ABC fix on, check out Daily Science Fiction, and keep your podcatchers at the ready. The Alphabet Quartet. More pronunciations than you knew existed. We'll see you July 1st.